Hello, today is Monday, October 30th, one day before Halloween. To my right is Thomas Frey sitting in front of us both. His producer, Rue, fresh off his first day in the corporate world. I'm Adam Hartog, and this is episode 28 of the Breaks Down podcast, the flagship program of the 528 Multimedia Network. And today, Tom, why is this episode special? Because we are doing our NFL Midseason Awards show. A round of applause. To all future award recipients. Um, all right. It's going to be a fun show. Like Tom said, we're going to do the NFL Midseason Awards. So that's going to be the meat of today's episode. We're going to blend college football and NFL recap into housekeeping. And we're going to close, as always, with the bold prediction of the year of the week. Let's go. All right, recording this just before 8 o'clock Eastern on Monday. Kind of a down weekend of college football, so there's not a ton to cover there. The big storyline that's kind of unfolding day by day is the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. So some of the things we know so far is that University of Michigan assistant Connor Stallions, who I believe is a lifetime fan of Michigan football and a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, has been going to basically scout opponents in person in advance to try to steal their signs. There has been photos of him on the sidelines with Michigan coaches kind of relaying signals based off what he sees across the field, uh, and that's something that's kind of playing out day by day still. One of the more interesting details of the scandal which i don't know if you've heard this is the way one of the ways that they figured out he was doing this was because he venmoed someone for the tickets and his venmo was public and he made it like football game or something (laughs) and like his location was where at whatever game he was at like lincoln nebraska yeah and it's just like one whose venmos are public these days not certainly not mine no that's like that's not a thing anymore like when venmo first came out it was like oh cool like everyone can see now it's like you're kind of out there if you're still keeping your venmos public that's not the norm yeah but also i mean if that's the way you're gonna go down by leaving your venmos public you kind of deserve it i feel like i would expect more out of a navy man you would think the nitty-gritty details of this are arguably more interesting than the outlying story what do you mean by that the whole methodology of the scandal especially because like i couldn't even enjoy the astros scandal for what it was because it was against the yankees so predominantly this is just super interesting to see from the outside so it's like you're saying how the hot dog is made is more interesting than hot dog exactly in this scenario yeah gotcha and uh so some of the things we know some more things we know TCU, before their playoff win against Michigan, was warned about this. Uh, Some other schools seem to know about it as well. I know the Missouri coach, our our boy Drinkwitz, has had a comment on it. And uh, news broke yesterday that Michigan has pulled a contract offer that would have made Jim Harbaugh the highest-paid coach in the Big Ten. We still have no idea how this whole thing is going to play out and what, what punishment might be handed down by the NCAA, by the Big Ten. A lot of people say this could open the window for Harbaugh to return to the NFL. So it's definitely something to watch out for. And if I was a Michigan fan, I would be freaking miserable and embarrassed and pissed off because for five or six years under Harbaugh, you could never win the big game. You kept losing to Michigan State on blocked field goals that were returned. 
going 0-5 to Ohio State. And the whole time, Jim Harbaugh preaches about how Michigan football holds itself to a higher standard than everybody else, and they do things the right way, and they want guys through the program that are going to act the right way. And then you finally start winning the big games, beat Ohio State twice, win the conference twice, make the playoffs twice, and this comes out, and this is like everyone is now pointing to Michigan and being like, this is you guys win because now you like stoop down to our level. It discredits everything that they've accomplished, pretty much. Yeah. It will forever have an asterisk. It's awful for Harbaugh's legacy, his resume. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he went to the NFL after this. No, me neither, because there's there's probably going to be hit with with scholarship uh, limits. And uh, it, it totally, I mean, beyond just discrediting it, there's a good chance a lot of these wins could be vacated. So they literally won't exist. In the books. So, and what differentiates this from the Astros is the Astros was player-driven. This is coach-driven. The players might not even know this is happening. I doubt the players did. So, they're going to be harmed. They're going to have this on their record as well. I mean, not to the same extent, but it's going to be associated with them going forward, and it's a shame. Yeah. It's not really fair. No, to the players, no, because you have two – Two Big Ten title rings, and now everyone that your rivals at Ohio State, at Penn State, at Michigan State are not going to treat you like you beat them on the field, which still happened. Yeah. Like some of those games, Michigan was going to win no matter what. They're effectively forced into being frauds through no doing of their own, which is not fair at all. So this guy Stallions, he purchased tickets uh, to games at 12 of 13 possible Big Ten schools. Uh, two, 2021 and 22 SEC title games in four campuses, all tied to college football players. And even producer Rue's favorite program, South Carolina, has been brought into this because uh, there's been reports that South Carolina was fed information before they faced Tennessee, who was in contention for a college football playoff spot. So this goes beyond just Michigan looking for a leg up. This is them also trying to an enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of kind of situation going on here. I didn't even think of the ripple effect of it all. Another qualified team could have had a playoff spot that didn't. All those players who didn't make the playoffs because of Michigan's cheating, like forever now they're robbed of that opportunity. This is actually really uglier than I even thought. I didn't even think of that aspect of it. It's Again, I'm it's I'm going to keep bringing it back to it because it's the most clear parallel, but one of the things that always bothered me about the Astros is Altuve's MVP over Judge, which Judge even still should have won, but that's an MVP that is forever not on his resume, just like all of these guys. I mean, even like non-scholarship guys who work their asses off to make a program and then don't get it to play in the biggest games of their lives because of another head coach doing this. It's It's really ugly especially as much money as college football makes it's still an amateur game for now for yes but all of the purity of the game like this is really bad it's a really bad look for all involved yeah and everybody in college football cheats to win you can make an argument that the rule in and of itself is stupid yes I, i i think but i do see at the same time why it could be necessary because Michigan is able to do this, whereas, like, Oklahoma State, I guess Oklahoma State is a bad example, but, like, 
BU is not sending people to scout basketball oh. teams. Okay. Well, the rule that I think is stupid is that there's no relay, voice-to-voice -voice relay, that they have to convey the plays via signs. Yeah. I yeah. think that's stupid. Yeah, I meant the rule that you can't, like, do in-person scouting oh. in advance is stupid. So is stupid but necessary. It's necessary because you can't relay the plays via the helmet. And it's necessary because uh, because just like some schools have the resources to send guys to do that and a lot of others don't. I guess so, yeah. Because they're buying tickets to the games. That's true. And like, sure, $1,000 of tickets over the season, most schools can probably cover that. I would imagine... 90% of schools could cover it. Yeah. College football tickets are, them, yeah, honestly. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's in keeping the integrity where the big money schools can afford more scouting. I don't think it's necessary for that. I just think the archaic system of relaying the plays via your little signs is silly. I agree. The NFL can like very easily does everything. I mean, the MLB even has pitch com now. Like it's not hard to do. No, the the NFL, I mean, football in general, we talked about this a little yesterday. It's kind of archaic, a lot of the methods that they yeah, move the game true. forward with. Very true. Um, so the NCAA, once the investigation ends, uh, will send a notice of allegations to Michigan, and they have 90 days from there to respond. Um, do you have anything else on, on this? No, that's it. I, it's gotten worse in my head the more we've talked about it. And I think it's going to keep getting worse and worse. Also in college football, Oklahoma lost to Kansas 38-33. to This isn't really like losing to Kansas like Texas lost to Kansas at home in 2021 because Kansas is actually good now, and their coach Lance Leipold has done an awesome job there. Yeah, Kansas is climbing the hierarchy of football programs. Yeah, some say they're teetering on becoming a football school. I wouldn't. I, it depends on where we put UNC. I I think if you count UNC as a football school, then I think they can be a football school. I think Duke has fallen off the map real hard, and, but they're on their, they're still ascending. But I would put Kansas as a football school way higher than Duke, but lower than UNC. Right on par. Is part part of that because they're they were last year the defending national champions kansas basketball well okay i need to i think i need to understand something here when we're saying that something is a football school does that mean they can't also be a basketball school oh yeah that's what i thought <laughs> <laughs> oh oh i thought this whole time duke had now become predominantly no, a football no no school. no no just I just thought I just mentioned yeah so it's like the way Bama is now football and a basketball yes school. yes I thought we they were just actually like going to be known for their football in addition to their basketball no I thought you were talking like what's their sport <laughs> <laughs> this whole time this is the this is the first time that I've had any idea that that's what you thought no no that is not what I've meant this whole time those are three massive basketball programs <laughs> I thought they would become football schools. <laughs> no, 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 that's not what I meant. <laughs> um, but I did a little digging into what has been behind the turnaround in Lawrence, Kansas. So I looked at their historic recruiting rankings on 24-7. The three years before Lance Leopold showed up, 
in the Big Ten, they had the 8th-ranked class, the 10th-ranked class, and the 10th-ranked class. And the three years since he's shown up, 9th, 10th, and 9th. So the answer is I have no idea how they're doing this because they have not been getting any better players. <laughs> so they're not recruiting and, any and better. And their transfer rankings are are about the same. Okay, that was my next question. So I truly, I truly don't understand how they're just infinitely better. Like, maybe they just have had the worst coaches ever over the last – decade plus it could be a little bit of coaching but it i mean it's definitely a lot of coaching but i think it could just go back to there's more talent than ever so maybe they're able to even the lower ranked recruits are more talented like the 10th ranked recruit now is more talented than the 10th ranked recruit was in 2018 i don't know if that's first 10th is probably not the right like 100th ranked recruit i should say so maybe those guys are just – they're able to create a better team than they used to be able to with guys that are lower. That's probably it. It's also possible, I guess, that maybe there's been, like, more investment into the football and then, like, bringing on, like, strength coaches, stuff like that, just, mm-hmm. like, better player development. But in terms of player acquisition, it's been about the same. So it's it's really got to be either, like you said, just players are better. But even then, like, proportionally, they would still be – pretty low i would think so i, I don't yeah, know i mean fair. great great coaches make the most out of the players they have it's what someone like ben johnson the detroit lions offensive coordinator does and maybe that's a lot of what it is just he know he's does a really good job of understanding what he has and how he can maximize it this is back to the coaching theory that like great coaches are just a lot better than good coaches yeah. i it's it sounds silly, but it's really not. There is a massive gap between great and good. We got some. You got. We got some backlash on that. It was and, mostly me. Yeah, but I wanted to bite the bullet as well. But it's it's re- kind of ridiculous to argue that after seeing Bill Belichick run circles around the NFL for two decades, and now Eric Spolstra drag Eric Spolstra with Jimmy Butler's help drag two Heat teams to the finals, maybe. Th- almost three in three years i stand by the the statement 100 percent. there's nothing wrong about it no so this this loss is not season ending for oklahoma but the wiggle room that they escaped the red river shootout with is totally gone now yeah i still can't hop aboard the oklahoma train i need another another year or two new quarterback and then then i can care more about this well next year it's going to be jackson arnold who is a, a super high recruit. I got to see his face. Yeah, potential first top 10 pick one day. He's okay. I don't hate him immediately, but he's okay. There's a lot of hype about him. Okay. I and hope. he stayed committed after Lincoln left, so Oklahoma fans are, are have fully embraced this guy. You know what? I like him. I hope he gets rid of his goatee. In that, if he gets rid of the goatee, I'll I'll like him a lot more. I'll tell him. Okay, let him know. I will. It's almost never a good look. Goatee. Um. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's almost coming back now. Like Stroud, Stroud rocks it proudly. But actually, it's not even so much a goatee. It's just a chin thing. Yeah, I guess it just depends on the person. It's hard to pull it off. I guess I should say. I gotta ask. Do you think? Do you give any credit to LeBron? For bringing facial hair back in basketball, I'll stay. I'll leave it just to basketball, because when he grew the beard on the Heat, 
that was like a that was a almost as defining a moment as him ditching the headband. I think. Did other players not have beards? I I I mean I don't remember a ton. <laughs> Kobe had a beard. That's true. Yeah, Kobe did have a beard. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess, no, I don't give LeBron credit for bringing beards back. Okay. I don't remember when James Harden started to grow his. I think pretty early on. Maybe his second year? I have a rookie card of James Harden, and he's beardless. It's pretty cool. That's Yeah, I know it, his rookie year he was beardless, but I think it I think it was also shorter for a long time there. It was, yeah. It got massive, I think, when he went to Houston. Yeah, that was when he became the beard. Yeah. Took over from the Giants closer in that Sports Center commercial where he had like lizards crawling out of it. Yeah, it was like, that's not name. intimidating. Brian Wilson. Yes, Brian Wilson <laughs> refused to play for the Yankees because he wouldn't shave his beard. I didn't know that actually. I don't think the Yankees even wanted him. I think it was just something he said. Oh, just unprom- unprompted. I'm not going to play for these guys. Yeah, just classic. Just acreage in his head. <laughs> um, then. <clears throat> We don't have a, I don't have a ton on college football this week, but some quick hitters. Oregon destroyed Utah in Salt Lake City, 35-36. to 36. I honestly think they're the best team in the Pac-12 now uh, over Washington. You're all over the place. Washington has not looked that good for more than two straight weeks now. Yeah. Since the Oregon game. Since you anointed them the best team in the country, they've been on, on a downward slide. I had them number one with a bullet. Yes, you did. I think uh, you use those words. Probably. Yeah. I like that phrase. I got it from Fallout Boy. I know that. <laughs> That's the only other time I've ever heard it. Uh-huh. So that and you. So I assumed they were related. Uh, this this one is tough because we have a, uh, a loyal customer in the store. And last week he popped in and somehow college football came up. And I just told him I really like college football. And he asked me for a pick. And I, I don't usually like to give picks because then I feel horrible when they don't <laughs> hit. But I gave him Utah the week before when they played, when they beat USC. And then he asked for another, and I gave him Utah again, and they got annihilated. Any aladdin. We'll, <laughs> we'll call it a break even. Yeah, well, yeah. I gave him Texans also, so. Mm. Well, now I owe him. Well, you don't owe him, man. You owe him a good pick. I was going to let his kids take 15 free cards instead of 10 to make up for it. That's a pretty fair deal. I thought about this in my head. Like, it's Opportunity I, cost? No, just I was like, I got to make up. I got to make it up to this guy somehow. Show him I feel bad that I gave him a bad pick. It's impossible to be perfect when betting, though. No one is. Yeah. Yeah. Vegas. Not perfect, but. Close. A lot closer. Uh, your team lost. I know. The Beavs. The Beavs. Arizona's actually pretty good. They're I like their quarterback a lot. Forgot his name's escaping me at the moment. Producer Rue. Arizona Wildcats quarterback. They lost twenty seven to twenty four at home. Or sorry, Arizona was home. This is Oregon State's second loss. Noah so. Fifita. Nah, someone else. It, oh. It's a a backup. Are you sure it's not him? says he finished the game against number 11, Oregon State, 25 for 32. Oh. I didn't think that was him, but I guess it is. I think it's got to be Noah Fafita. I think it is this guy, yeah. 
Yeah, it is. Redshirt freshman. He's actually really good. He had USC on the ropes. Uh, he kind of balled against Colorado. Oh, are you th- wait, did he say Jaden Delora? Yeah. He was the original starter. Fafita started this game. Okay. Oh, oh. All right, word. Mm. Oh, the other guy got hurt? I yeah. didn't see this game because I was at a wedding. Which you had fun at. I did have fun. So at, it was yeah. worth it. Yeah. Uh, also, UNC lost to Georgia Tech 46-42. to If you're allowing 42 points to Georgia Tech, you have a huge problem. Um, USC or UNC, that's two straight losses now. They were 17 coming in. They're probably honestly going to be on mm, – they'll probably be like 20, 24 or 25. I doubt they're going to fall unranked. But this makes their chance at playing for a conference title way harder now. And I have a cool stat on Georgia Tech. Let me just quickly try to find it because – I had it saved on my computer, which is dead. Well, thank goodness we clarified that UNC can also maintain their status as a basketball school. Yeah, true. Otherwise, things would be very <laughs> dire right now. <clears throat> okay, I have some stats for you about Georgia Tech. Are you ready? Lay it on me. So, the Yellow Jackets have only won their even-numbered games. They won game 2, 4, 6, and 8. In game 10, they play Clemson. In game 12, they play in-state rivals. The Georgia Bulldogs. Um, they've played three ranked teams. All three of those ranked teams have been ranked number 17, Ole Miss, Miami, and North Carolina. They're 2-1 and one versus those three teams. And those two wins over ranked teams are the most of any team in the state of Georgia. Wow. <laughs> Their last four games, an 11-point loss to Bowling Green – a victory over number 17 Miami, a 15-point loss to Boston College, and a win over number 17 North Carolina. <laughs> the hell kind of team is this? Um, going back to the only winning team in even numbered game stat, last night had been their had they only had success in the even numbered quarters. They had no points in the first and third quarters. All 46 of their points came in the second and fourth quarters. Um, they've scored 254 points, and they've allowed 254 points. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? They've they've led by two by two possessions in two of their losses, and trailed by two possessions in two of their wins. So this Georgia Tech season has been railless from the jump. It's just. <laughs> Just a drunk football program. Yeah, that's the only explanation. This is the most. That was the most nonsense, incoherent <laughs> grouping of stats I've ever heard in my whole life. It's like the ultimate roller coaster plays up to their opponent, down to their competition level. If you don't, I need you. I don't just want you. I need you to remind me when Georgia Tech is playing Georgia. Okay. Because I want to bet that game. All right. Are you going to bet it if they lose in week 10 against Clemson? Clemson? Who's 4-4? Four and four? They're both 4-4. Four and four. Depends on... Yeah, I'll still... No, no, I won't. They have to beat Clemson. Okay. I'm upset that Georgia Tech doesn't run the triple option anymore. That was like a staple of college football for a while. Just casually hammering the triple option for two decades and throwing Calvin Johnson in the middle of all that. <laughs> I accidentally ran the triple option in Madden the other day, and I was freaking out because I had no idea what happened, and just so many things were happening around me, and I think I lost like 30 yards on it. Did you fumble a lateral or something? Yeah, so many things went wrong. I there's a there was a very 
not famous at all, but very burned in my memory episode of the show Monk where someone actually coincidentally stole the other team's playbook before the game from the backup quarterback who we then killed. It was his driver, the backup quarterback's driver. And then they were like, prepare for the triple option in the second half. And like, coach, we haven't seen the triple option since college. Wow. But now it's all over the NFL. There you go. Thanks, RG3. The Heisman formation. Yeah, it was Lamar Ingram and... RG3. Oh, yeah. yeah. I forgot they had him for a minute. <clears throat> uh, also, Louisville beat Duke 23 nothing. So, Duke's season, I mean, at least from like a ACC title game perspective, is over. They still have a very good chance of playing in a big bowl game. But they might end up shutting Riley Leonard down if they're still struggling like this and he's not getting any healthier. He's still got that an- lingering ankle injury. Louisville, potential ACC title game appearer. Well, there's, there's a way better word that I can't think of. Contestant. Sure. Uh, so Louisville's cool. Duke, I guess, now has Duke, Duke basketball with this loss and their their commitment by Cooper Flag today, oh, I guess, I just about to say it, yeah. solidified themselves as a basketball school for now. Cooper Flag had to go to Duke. Yeah. He just had to. I saw uh, the picture of him and, like, his commitment picture. He's holding a flaming pitchfork, I guess because of the Blue Devil thing. But Mm -hmm. uh, he's really good. Yeah, he's – I don't understand how he's that good because he's a white man. Usually that caps your ceiling. I mean, it's just, like, legitimately crazy to see his highlight tape, how how athletic he is. I know. 6'8", he's elite on both ends of the floor is what they tell me. He's good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, USC barely escaped Cal Berkeley for 50 to 49. They won. This would have been just a uh, what's going on here. Players only meeting kind of loss for USC at this point. So they're just, I guess their ceiling is like a major bowl game. But like at this rate, it doesn't seem they'll, they'll probably pick up another loss before they have the chance to get there. Their defense can't stop a nosebleed. Yeah. It's really hard to win games when you're giving up 49 points. Yeah, you have to be perfect, basically, <laughs> yeah. on offense. Yeah, so I don't know, man. It's kind of all I have on college. That's all right with me. Sweet. All right, so on to the NFL from this weekend. We had a watch party for Jets and Giants, so that was, you know, like sitting on needles. <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah. Watch party <laughs> seems too nice. We watched it and had no fun. No one had a good, I mean, I guess Jets fans ended up having a good time, but. Jets fans had 30 seconds of fun time. No, I guess like five minutes. Yeah, and then the next five hours afterwards, though, where I had to sit there in my own despair and listen to them talk. In your own home. Yeah, in my own home. <laughs> my boss asked me where I watched the game, and I sat at my house with a bunch of Jets fans. He goes, did you kick them out after? So I should have. <laughs> This was an affront to football. It's not even football. It was just truly the worst viewing experience I've maybe ever had. Could have watched paint dry and had a better time. Who do you think left the game being the most, like, fuck this shit? Saquon? Yeah. Probably. That's probably the... Put his heart and soul on the line only for them to blow the game in absolute heartbreaking fashion. Yeah, it's probably Saquon. Where are you on the Thomas DeVito guy watch? I've never been less on the Thomas DeVito guy watch. (laughs) He actually had, like, some nice moments in camp and preseason from what I remember, so I was not ruling out him going out there and being okay. 
And honestly, we still don't know that he's not okay. They didn't even let him throw. He th- he threw that one check down on the run that he looked okay on, and then we never got to see it again. So, I mean, I'm assuming since they didn't trust him to throw downfield even one time that he's not any good, but I don't know. That was coaching scared, I think. If I was at this game, even, even if I wasn't a fan of either team, which I'm not, I, I would have – probably never gone to a football game again i would have blacked out so hard at this game that's the only way i would have made it through this is the kind of game in that weather especially too that like perry makes me drink like a beer and a half before we go Mm -hmm. and then by halfway through the second quarter i have a pounding headache and just want to be at my house yeah that's fair (laughs) i uh no you just gotta a beer and a half isn't it you need to have like eight to 12 and then you'll have a good time i've never done that in my life i don't believe that at all what why not they've never had eight beers in an evening 100 percent. i've never done that not even one time not even one time we used to play you played like 21 cup with us before yeah but a lot of times i would just like pretend no just like wouldn't wouldn't be drinking like in high school i would just like partake occasionally but mostly just be there to like hang out well then i got nothing for you man it's a totally different experience i'm sure yeah makes football games way more fun especially like yesterday if you weren't drunk at that game miserable that's that would have been me yeah that's what i'm saying gotta drink it's really bad though if it was what spurred the giants into a teardown i'm fine with it i didn't I didn't want this false hope of the team having a late season surge because we saw that their offense clearly isn't where it needs to be to even win a playoff game. They traded Leonard Williams for a second rounder and I think a fifth. Yeah. The second's really the the gem of that trade. It's a great return. Really good. I'm really happy about it. If they – I would be happy with them trading away a few more players, honestly. Adoree Jackson – like, if you could get something for a Darius Slayton, maybe. But it was really bad. It was just awful to watch. And everything that I said for why I didn't want to watch with our Jets fans' friends came true. They were annoying in the least intentional ways, and that was exactly what I predicted. Keeps their season alive at 4-3 and three now. Yeah. It was, a, it was a very important win for the Jets. Much more important for them than a Giants win was for the Giants. I am just, I'm really annoyed about it because then, like, Sauce Gardner's on Twitter talking about how the Jets run New York. It's just like, after that showing, you're going to be talking shit? Like, come on, dude. That was the most embarrassing football game of all time, even in a win. Yeah, the, the Jets now clearly play to their competition also. Yeah, like... Yeah, and but the Jets almost lost a game where the they gave up negative passing yards. Should have sh- lost. Should, should have. have lost a game. Yeah. And after the game, you're gonna talk how you run New York, and all Jets fans. I saw like the big brother typically beats the little brother. In what world are the Jets the big brother to the Giants? Their own. The, that's the only <laughs> one. That is the only world. That's like. It's see that's the stuff that now it, I'm that pisses me off about the loss. I don't even care in the term in with anything to do with the Giants season. In fact, I'm borderline happy about it. 
for where it positions us in the draft. But this is why. This is why. This is everything I've said about Jets fans on this show. I'm not going to rehash. This but, is, but this is why. This is Rangers, Islanders, Yankees, Mets, Knicks, Nets. It's just nonsense. It's it's like, are the Mets the Yankees' big brother? No. Are the Nets the Knicks' big brother? Absolutely not. Are the Jets the Giants' big brother? What do you mean? The Nets are not the Knicks' big brother. I know. You said, I think you flipped both those. Mm-mm. Maybe I flipped them. I said, are the Nets the Knicks' big brother? Are the Nets the Knicks' big brother? Absolutely not. I agree. Now you that. messed me up, Ad. God damn it! What did he say? I thought he said, are the Knicks the Nets' big brother? Yeah, he said you're right. Damn. All right, I'll leave. <laughs> now I don't want to keep going. <laughs> uh, another bad Zach Wilson game. Zach Wilson stinks. Yes. Mo- let's move off this game. Now you ruined my my rant. Okay. Um, Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles, so. That sucks. He's in a contract year. Not that he was really playing for another contract because he was going to get one. If he stayed healthy, he's probably going to get one. I'm sh- he's definitely going to get one still with the Vikings or elsewhere if he decides that he wants to go through with rehab and make a comeback, which I hope he does because I like Kirk. But this this sucks. Very sad. I also like Kirk. I heard something today from like a doctor on a podcast sports doctor who is saying that Kirk could be back in time for next season, which I feel like doesn't line up with anything that I've understood about Achilles injuries before. Me like, neither, but maybe that's the the thing now. I mean, if Rogers actually comes back, then I'll believe it's possible. But otherwise every Achilles injury has been at least a year, pretty much Yeah, 10 months at the very minimum. So I, that seems pretty crazy. If it's possible, great. Given the state of the free agent quarterback market this upcoming offseason, it's going to be like Kirk and Minshew and Brissett and guys like that. Kirk's the crown jewel. Yeah. So anyone who needs a quarterback and doesn't take one in the draft, they're going to take Kirk. So I think he's positioned to get another contract. It's just a matter of if he will. Kirk's like the 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 ultimate career free agent crown jewel guy for that's quarterbacks. true that's true and i just saw because something the vikings didn't do in negotiating an extension or lack thereof of negotiations they couldn't extend the franchise tag on him but the fact that they i feel like he shouldn't be able to be franchise tagged ever again to be the third time that's what like there should be a, a, a cap on it per player i know there's like per team per player but Kirk's been franchised twice already. He should never be able to under any circumstance again. Franchise back to back years, yeah. Yeah, should never be able to happen again. I agree. It's, yeah, I mean, for, at least for a quarterback, it's like probably forty million now, if not more than. Yeah, that's true. You're fully guaranteed. The the money is very good money, but it's it's one year. Yeah, it's still just I. Once you're tagged twice, it should never be allowed again. I I hundred percent agree. And then the Vikings had climbed back to to 500 so yeah that's kind of derails their season like maybe maybe this affects when jefferson's gonna come back i don't know i heard yesterday or it wasn't really a report it was more an opinion that they could go out and try to get kyler but then i heard today that the cardinals aren't trading kyler then we saw yeah then we saw today a report that Jameis winston might get traded there which would which i would be excited for. that'd be awesome i'm I love Jameis, and I would love to see him play all the time. Me too. And also, he deserves to be a starter. 
and he maintains the fantasy viability of the Vikings receivers and Hawkinson. 100%. James yeah. pushes the ball downfield. He's, you may not want him on your fantasy team because he'll throw a lot of picks, but those other guys will put up numbers. I'd pick up Jameis. Spot start. Oh, for sure. For sure. But, I mean, as a consistent, you know, every every week starter. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, so, also, the Bengals are back. Like, fully back. This was... I think this was Burrow's best game by success rate ever. Ever, yeah. It was like 28 <laughs> for 32. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Just totally picked apart uh, the, the Niners. The Niners, yeah. Um, Jamar, so this this is, I guess, just a, another team that started slow, and by November they're a title contender again. See, we said this, though, that the Bengals were going to bounce back. Like, we knew this was going to happen. We were just worried it was going to be too late, Yeah, given I mean, their record. Yeah, we thought either they were going to bounce back or Burrow would get hurt and the season yeah. would go off the rails. This was the – like, I still firmly believe that they lucked out in Burrow not getting or re-aggravating his injury or even making it worse. I think eight and a half times out of ten, he misses time. Yeah. I still think them playing him those first few weeks was a mistake, honestly. But, I mean, here they are in – no, I st- like this. It would be revisionist history for us to be like, oh no, they were right. Like, no, they were wrong to do what they did. And you can't play the result; you play the process. The process was wrong. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, they're fully back. I put a Super Bowl bet on them today. What were the odds? Like seven hundred plus seventeen hundred. Seventeen hundred. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I think they were behind the Cowboys and the Bills and the Lions. So among the other favorites, but. Being behind those teams at this point, I felt very confident putting the money on the Bills. Yeah, the, sorry, Bengals. This is this is the last, like you said, this is the last time you're gonna get probably the chance to take them at under plus like twelve hundred. Yeah, I was shocked to see them at plus seventeen hundred still. But Bengals are back. I would like it if they threw to T. Higgins more, but I don't think. I think that's my my season's just a bust at this point. And then on the other side, this is three straight losses for the, the Niners. Yeah, the buy's coming at a good time for them. Yeah. They'll get a little bit more healthy. They can regroup a little bit. I I just think – I still think they're a very, very legitimate contender. None of these losses have changed my mind on that. But they definitely – this buy comes at the right time. Where's Purdy guy watch? Still the guy for me. I think everyone's being a little hard on him. He didn't even play that bad yesterday. He had a couple bad throws. But, again, he was – that's comparing him to himself. He was so perfect throughout his whole career to this point. Like, any misstep, people are going to be gunning for him. I just think people are very reactionary with him. So, And he seems it seems like people want him to fail. I don't think he's bad, but I definitely have come down on him. He can be more of a guy than an elite quarterback. He could just be an elite game manager, but people are saying he's bad. Yeah, I don't agree that he's bad. I think I put the cart before the horse a little bit. I don't think so. The sample size was big enough at a certain point. But I was like, at one point I was like, is this guy top 10 quarterback? I, at, I don't at, think that anymore. No, but the numbers reflected him being a top 10 quarterback and yeah. the eye test. Yeah, but I now I'm starting to feel like it was – I was giving him a little too much credit. I think where I and where I sit here still being like 
this you can win with this guy and i see a world where he's their long-term starter and becomes really good but i don't think we're there yet and i thought we might be getting there faster than i now think we're gonna get there fair i just think we're victims of the moment or whatever and we can do the best we can with the information we have two three weeks ago all we had was this guy being perfect now he's had a few missteps but i mean we've also seen josh allen have stretches of bad play we've seen mahomes have a few bad games here and there i'm not saying he is those guys but i'm just saying he had a pretty big sample size of success so if you want to lower the ceiling in your mind that he has i can't fault you for that but it's just that it coincides with a lot of the perfection around him being messed up yeah no for sure and it go it's shanahan system is the system so i fully get that and i've said that any criticisms of any person who has a perfect system and perfect team around them you, there's always going to be those questions it's why i still have the questions about dak and i probably always will because his o-line is just or for his career has just been that good you know yeah those questions are always going to exist there's nothing you can do about it at a certain point yeah i'm just laughing to myself because the the dak thing has been a a hot point on this show for a couple weeks but i made the purdy comparison when we had our deck discussion yeah so i was just i was just just, that was why i brought it back yeah no i get it um ah there's one one other thing oh you want to hear a crazy stat that i don't have exactly right but i have the essence of sure when trailing by eight or more in the fourth quarter a shanahan coach team has essentially never won okay so that just could be shanahan not being clutch yeah, I mean, it's like, I, I, I'm not making a, that wasn't like a purdy. No, thing. no, I know. Like a, a nugget. I'm and my response to that is that Shanahan might not be clutch. Yeah, based I, on I think it's that stat. I think it's more like his teams are just not super built to come from behind. Even though there's times where they had the opportunity to, like the famous like Garoppolo overthrow in the Super Bowl. Yeah. To uh, was that Emmanuel Sanders? I don't remember. It could have been Emmanuel Sanders, but no, I agree that there were there have been personnel failures in those instances. But given, I mean, I don't know the extent of the record, but if it is like statistically significant, like bad quarterbacks make comebacks all the time. They're zero and thirty six when trailing by eight plus points in the fourth. Yeah, that's quarter. not all personnel. That's also bad coaching. One and thirty when trailing by three plus points entering the fourth. That is entire. Yeah, like that is a lot on Shanahan. Yeah, I so agree. there. If it was like zero and eight, and we could name, we could point to six of them that were personnel or player based. But when it's th- happening that's, this frequency, that's a huge number. Yeah. All right. So the Rams, they're not a good team, but. I still think any given Sunday, they could pull out a win, which is kind of what we said. It's everything that we've said. Yeah. They, have an, they have an elite coach and a very good to elite quarterback, depending on the day. Two great receivers. Two great receivers and me, one of the best defensive players in football still. Yeah. So you can win games that way. Bad team, though, so they're not going to win a lot. Overall, not a, good, not a balanced team. It's just like this is a, we, they will probably go exactly as far as those three guys could carry any bad team they might finish as a 500 team just because of those guys yeah and totally not out of the question and that's a 
successful Steve, successful Steven, successful season, <laughs> given where they were projected. Yeah, and I mean, you ask any Rams fan, and they knew this era was going to come, and a hundred percent they they give the green light for it to happen because they want. I've seen people say that they wouldn't mortgage their future to win a Super Bowl or a championship. Insane. I think that's absolutely nuts. Insane. The Rams won. They actually won. A lot of the times you sell out like that, you don't win. The Rams did it. You take you take the Rams 100 times out of 10, which is what producer <laughs> Ruth said to me earlier, and I laughed. So, uh, I agree, yeah. Bad team, though, but we'll, yeah. like we said, we'll, we'll like we've said, games. yeah, we'll win a couple games. Jordan Love, bad. I'm very happy. Yeah, he's, he's bad. He has some raw ability that when things are clicking, he kind of – he reminds me of Kenny Pickett a little bit. So Kenny Pickett in the two-minute drill is, like, one of the best quarterbacks in football, and I think it's kind of just getting in rhythm and getting into the flow of the game for some reason when you don't have to think and you don't have to actually, like, go through – multiple progressions and make the right reads all the time and it's just like quick hitter kind of plays that could be where jordan love thrives a little bit because he has raw ability but as an overall quarterback he's not been good at all no so in the two seasons that aaron Rodgers won back-to-back mvps in 2020 and 2021 he threw six interceptions jordan love threw eight games i believe is at eight yeah, I mean, Rod, it's a tough comparison. Yeah, it's not a fair His, comparison. Historically low interception thrower, but... I think lowest, like, touchdown, or yeah. highest, touch, highest touchdown interception ratio. We'll say best. Best. Good, yeah. man. good word. Yeah. That's an SAT that is a word. Good word. Yeah, learned that one a long time ago. <laughs> Pulled it out of the archives. <laughs> best. Uh, Will Levis, I don't know, man. This I thought he was bad. I've been told he's bad. I've also been told he's bad, but he has every tool you'd want in a quarterback. Yeah, and th- – sorry. No, no, no. So I just don't know why why he's bad. He has a huge arm. He's insanely strong. He, he's very athletic. Why Why is Why is he so bad? It's just kind of like the Josh Allen thing, and they the, the Titans did a good job of catering to his current skill set, which is athletic, strong arm – can make big plays down the field. Like all of his touchdowns were 25 plus air yards. Three of them were in the top 10 touchdown passes by air distance traveled this season. That, that first D hop one was for sure. OPI. Yeah. No, without a doubt. no doubt in my mind, <laughs> but also what's weird about this is I heard this stat is Will Levis in his last year at Kentucky had one of the worst explosive play rates in the country. And then he comes out and has only explosive plays. It was just like everything that I'd heard about him, like what, how he had regressed and how he was like, is he still that guy he was two seasons ago at Kentucky? He was that guy in this game. Yeah, and that's just it's just playing to his skill set. Like they could have they could have gone out there and tried to make him do the short yardage dink and dunk stuff, and he probably would have thrown like a pick or two and maybe one touchdown, but letting him air it out and give his good playmakers. I mean, if you're throwing four, four deep balls to DeAndre Hopkins and he pulls in three of them for or four, he pulls in, I guess he had four catches for like a buck 56 and three touchdowns. It's, it's a good way to ease a quarterback like that into their first game. He should, 
I mean, it's it's really not a good way to ease a quarterback in. I get what you're saying, but those aren't easy completions, you know? No, yeah, I I, uh, I agree, but I think they're easier than, like, trying to fit it into, like, a window yeah. on a slant route on third and ten or something like that. You're not fitting it in tight windows, but the dink and dunk ease a guy in approach is 99% of the time the approach they take. Yeah, but I think it they did a good job of, like, understanding this isn't this guy's mold, and we're probably going to set him up to make mistakes if we try to do that. I agree, but I guess if his easy plays are high-difficulty throws with low success rates and he's completing them at such a high rate, then he's a good player. Well, I guess I mean easy in the sense that, like, like with the picket thing, it's like it's not easy to complete those throws, but it's easier than lining up and being all right. I gotta read this guy, read this guy, read this guy. I guess and then, like you're giving him easier reads. Yeah, and it's just like, but those are not easy throws that he was. No, t- I didn't mean like those are throws anyone can make, but in terms of like, how do we, how do we take as much out of this guy's hands as possible? Throw it up to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I, I don't know. I just don't know that he's bad. Oh no, I, I think, I don't think he's bad either. I think this was at like way better than anyone expected it to go, and I think that it's should be very clear now who the the developmental quarterback of focus in Tennessee is. This is probably the end of Malik Willis. It should be the end of Tannehill too. Yeah, I think it probably will be. I've heard his name on the trade block. I hope so. I, I just – their offense has been awful. He has the same – he might even – either the same or more amount of touchdown more. passes as, as more than Tannehill. Yeah. Double, I think. Double? Yeah, I think he has two. Tannehill has yeah. two on the air. I think so. So, that's, that's that in itself is enough for me. Yeah. I don't know. It's That's the kind of thing that, like, you can lose a locker room going back to Tannehill after that. I think they're going to stick with, with Levis. I think smart money is is to stick with him. Uh, also, the Browns lost an impossible game because of a Jamal Adams headbutt tip drill. I, I, you have to think Stefanski's gone after this year. They just keep blowing games like this. They have forever. Like the decision to put it in PJ Walker's hands when you could end the game by picking up some yardage on the ground, crazy. And then it like, sure you can't account for Jamal Adams jumping up at the line and headbutting a pass up in the air. But like losses like this, just when when they keep stick piling up for reasons like mismanagement at the end it's just like kills a fan base i think also he could be on the way out because of the investment they have in deshaun and it seems like they've tried to pigeonhole him into their system instead of catering their system around him yeah and i don't know i don't know who he is anymore i don't know what his ceiling is as a passer anymore but I wonder if they brought in a new guy who let him play a little bit more like he did in Houston, if he would be a better player. You have to think so. I mean, just in general, when you get quarterbacks out of the pocket and making throws on the run, it's supposed to be easier for them. Yeah, so you would, given the substantial investment that they have in him, they if they feel that Stefanski's not putting him in a position to succeed, they almost have to move on. Yeah. They're tied to one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles and the Commanders, like you said, the, the Commanders. They just played them well. Yeah. It's, it's like a set, a quasi number having. It, yeah. It just makes no sense. They have like the first seven digits. 
or six six digits not counting area code like they oh they can't call them but they almost have their number yeah they just it's yeah it's close enough it's like someone like you get a, a girl's number at a bar and she writes it down but she like smudges a number so you can't tell if it's a four or a seven or a nine and they just knock at every door in boston trying yeah. to find her well sure <laughs> I, don't, I wasn't going to take happen. it. didn't happen. I made that up. I made that up. <laughs> I wasn't going to take it that far, but yeah, that's basically what Washington is with the Eagles. And A.J. Brown is just freaking incredible. All right. Next three years, A.J. Brown's 26, Justin Jefferson's 24. Next three years, who would you rather have? I like, I like Justin Jefferson more still. But I think it's a lot closer than you think. Oh, I, I don't think it's like a, a definite. I just happen to like Justin Jefferson more. Okay. I think, and I could be I could be wrong about this, but I, I just feel like the odds that he will put up big numbers with a bad quarterback are lower or higher because of the, the separation he gets running routes, whereas A.J. Brown, like, is just will win every contested catch. Okay. I get what you're saying. Justin Jefferson will get open more than A.J. Brown. But if you don't have a good quarterback, they'll be making bad throws, so you'll need to make more contested catches, which that's, is A.J. Brown's specialty. That's true. Uh, it's just, like, I mean, Hurts is so good that, like, the two of them together – and I'm not saying it's it's Hurts, and I'm not saying Hurts being good as A.J. Brown. It's just, like – when you have a good a good quarterback that can put it in a position for one of the best playmakers at any position in the whole sport to make a play, it helps. Like you could could get like, I mean, the for example, the Zach Wilson pick where he tried to throw it to to Garrett Wilson and and uh, and Sertan jumped the route against the Broncos, like a throw like that. It does like just. Having a bad quarterback doesn't necessarily mean that you'll get the ball in the spot for your playmaker to make a play also. That's fair. I also don't know that I would take A.J. Brown over him. I just think it's really close. Yeah. Closer than anyone thought coming into this year. I could certainly not make an argument that A.J. Brown isn't the best receiver in the NFL. I have no idea what you – you could certainly not make an argument. I can't make an argument that he's not the best receiver in the NFL. I can make an argument for why I like Justin Jefferson more. Yeah, I think it's arguable. I think between the – those two, Tyreek and Cup, it's very arguable any given Sunday one will be better. It's a lot of good receivers in the NFL. I think those four I'd put over. I mean, honestly, I'd put those – the three, Tyreek, J.J.F., and Brown over Cup. I think those are the three best. Yeah, and I'd put I would Cup with, with like with Diggs. Uh, where, where's CD? Lower than them. How much lower? Not that much lower. But, but like lower. next tier. Jamar's Jamar, up yeah. there too. With Cup and Diggs. Yeah, until further notice. Jamar hasn't. Jamar's got more AJ Brown than Jefferson and Diggs to his game. Yeah, Jamar just hasn't put it all together in a while. Like, but part of that is just oh, for sure the circumstances capacity. around him. But it just, I need to see it more. That's all. We're, we're we've been getting it. He had three touchdowns last week, and he had the like the walk off touchdown, not walk off, but the winning touchdown this week. No, I just I just need to see it like more. Yeah, like, I get for it for a longer stretch of time. That's all. Yeah, 
Uh, and then the last thing I have is that the Saints play really weird games, and Der- watching Derek Carr is boring, except when they, a couple times a game, just decide to hit who was the guy who's apparently the best deep threat in the NFL, Rashid Shahid. I hate Rashid Shahid right now. Why? <laughs> because I keep playing him in these primo matchups. He's He kills zone defenses. That's his thing. Kills them. I keep playing him in fantasy. He puts up six points. Every time I drop him, he does this. Every single time. It drives me up the wall. The process is there, but the results are not. So you're you're the anti-Bangles. You're yes. the nega-Bangles. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> Drive me nuts, dude. And honestly, the Saints may have figured out the formula, which is Derek Carr's absolute garbage in the red zone. So just put in Taysom Hill. Yeah, I think when they run Taysom like seven plus times a game, they win like almost all our games this year. I mean, make him earn his money. You're paying him enough. Fortune, yeah. It's the weirdest contract in sports. Yeah. It's like an escalating contract. Like yeah. depending on like snap count, he could make anywhere from like twenty five to a hundred million dollars. <laughs> it was yeah, it was also like the more quarterback you are, the more money you get. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it was, yeah. yeah. Rashid Chied is like the ultimate like three for one twenty eight and a touchdown guy now. He is like End of career, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. A good example. Redskins, Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, just <laughs> pure deep threat. Uh, do you have anything else on NFL? No, I don't. I'm all. I'm real sad about the NFL, but I'm happy about our midseason award show. Me too. Yeah. So we'll go on to that. Better than regular awards. <laughs> True. Way better. So. This is our NFL midseason awards show. So Tom and I each came up with five awards based on the entire season's body of work so far. Producer Rue also came up with two. He's going to send us one each. We're going to read them for him. So would you like to kick off the inaugural Breaks Down podcast midseason NFL awards show? I would love to. And I will be starting off with the... David Carr's Other Brother Award. So I assume that this is similar to the third Jones brother in that this is just like the only one that that people don't know exists. No, it is not. There is no actual relation here. Oh. Just relation by similarity. So it's somebody that looks exactly like the Carr's. No, no, no. Not looks looks similarity. They have one thing... Very much so in common. David Carr and not Derek Carr has nothing to do with this. Okay. They just have one thing in common. This is going to Sam Howell. It is going to Let's Sam go. Howell. The first, and it is going to Sam Howell because he has been sacked 41 times through eight games. The NFL record is 76, set by David Carr in 2002. Sam Howell has lost 276 yards due to sacks on the year, which is at least 100 more than second and third place. <laughs> Yesterday's game, he only took one sack, which ruined his pace, which was going to be 97 times in the season. Now I I couldn't find that stat anywhere, but it, I'm assuming it's still in the 90s, which would shatter the record by uh, David Carr. I'm very much so looking forward to seeing if he can if he can break this record. If he can keep up this pace. Yeah, <laughs> if, if he can still be standing by the end of the season keeping up this pace. And yet then they somehow allow one sack to Philly. Which Makes is no crazy. sense. Makes no sense. 
I've heard people referring to him as Jekyll and Howell, which is really funny. <laughs> that and is good. Super accurate. He's, you just never know what he's what you're gonna get out of this guy. I like that award. Thank you. Thank you. All right, my first award is the Bob Barker Award. Does this have to do with Happy Gilmore? Very much so. Okay, so this is. Is it? Do you want a piece of me? No, I want the whole thing. No, but it's it's the same scene. Okay. Another. This is the essence of this is centered around another quote. Okay. The price is wrong, bitch. Yes. Okay. okay. Is it Deshaun Watson? This is nice. <laughs> All right, off to a this hot is start. The price is wrong, bitch. Award because the Cleveland Browns are paying five years. $230 million fully guaranteed for somebody that when healthy might not be a top 30 quarterback. I'd like to give him top 30, but top 25, I don't think I can go that far. Regardless, the negotiating skills of the Cleveland program is is, is terrible, and this this reeks of a trade that the owners push through and then we'll fire everybody under them because of the situation they find themselves in now. It seems that way. So, Deshaun, right. two award number ones. Yes. Deshaun Watson so and and Sam Howell. Yeah. Good, good job, guys. <laughs> Hopefully the, the awards get a little bit nicer going forward. <laughs> All right. My second award is the Ellie De La Cruz Award. Is this going to a rookie that burst onto the scene and kind of all the hype is there? Yes, but I might not be your first thought. No, I think it might be. Is this Puka? It is not. No, damn. That's why I tried to warn you. My off first of Puka. thought was C.J. Stroud. So no, it's not my him. Second thought. It's not him either. It's not Will Levis, right? No, no, but that would have been a good one. It's not Will Levis. Uh, um, think of how electric Ellie De La Cruz is. Is it Bijan? No. Do you want? Uh, do you want me to tell you? No, 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 no. Electric. I think you're gonna kick yourself when you don't get it. Electric, you say. You had the reasoning spot on. Yeah, it's not Anthony Richardson, right? Mm-mm. Electric. Is it Jalen Carter? Mm-mm. I gotta tell you, I All can't. Right. We can't keep doing this. Okay. It's Devon Achan. Oh yeah, that's good. Player who bursts onto the scene like an absolute madman, then via injury or poor performance, faded a bit into the background. Achan threw effectively three games, rushed for 460 yards on 12.1 yards per carry, five rushing touchdowns, and two receiving touchdowns. He then got hurt and put on injured reserve, but during his time through those three games was the best player in football. And they're both extremely fast, right? Extremely fast, extremely electric play styles. When you said it fell into the shadow or whatever you said, you weren't kidding because I forgot about him. Because of their literal like simil- player profile similarities, I thought you might get there, but yeah. I like that. My second award is the – and I, I don't – I still don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, so okay. correct me if I'm wrong, but the Ivica Zubac Award. I think it's Ivica Zubac. Zubac, yeah. Okay. Or it actually, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I'm going to stick with that. I think it actually might be Zubats, but I don't know if I want to do that. 
Well, this is the Clippers Center <laughs> Award. Okay. <laughs> this could be a lot of things, though. Does it have to do with his trade from the Lakers? Okay, wow, I'm on fire right yeah, now. Yeah, you are. Okay. It's just a really lopsided trade. For, for those listening, I nodded. That was the, the Mike Muscala for Zubots trade. <laughs> I think it is Zubots. I, I just said it and it felt right. Um, okay. Really lopsided, really bad trade. What was the trade? It it's not Deshaun. Oh, is it Russell Wilson? No, it's not oh. Russell Wilson. I can give you a little extra context. Okay, yeah. So Zubots Zoo, and the person, this award winner, were both second-round picks. Is it A.J. Brown? It's, this award is going to a second-round pick that was traded for Traylon I, I, I guess cap reasons. I don't. I don't really know. Still, no. That wait. Oh, AJ Brown. No, Zubats was traded because they wanted Mike Muscala. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> but basically, a trade that looking back, you're like, what? Why did? Why did they do that? But yeah, this is going AJ Brown. Well, all right. Nice. That's not bad. <laughs> took me two guesses, but that's all right. I get took me way more on your last that's one. True. So. That's true. That's um, true. And yeah, a uh, season and a half in. There is there is no doubt that that was a terrible trade for Tennessee. Awful, absolutely awful. I mean, yeah, no, I mean not just because they didn't want to pay AJ Brown. Worse, worse than the Zubats trade because oh, yeah. of the caliber of player AJ Brown is. But they wanted Mike Muscala because they wanted a floor spacer for their playoff run that didn't happen, <laughs> and they traded away like a perfectly productive young center who's like been a starter on a playoff team ever since yeah i i didn't i didn't know why they traded him i assumed it was for like cap reasons or something no it's just just awful all right my third award is the peter lafleur and average joe's gymnasium award <laughs> so this is going to an underdog story a true underdog story <laughs> That's that's what it's for. Yeah, that's okay, it. cool. dodgeball's no. It's just, it's dodgeball, a true underdog yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's a player, not a team. Okay. This is a player that wears a blindfold in their most crucial moment of athletic fame, right? Not just any blindfold. Patches Lafleur's sweat. <laughs> patches a Hulahan's sweat rag. <laughs> um, is this going to Baker? It's not. Okay. It's it's you've already guessed this guy. I've already guessed this guy. It was your first guess of the night. Oh, it's Puka. It is Puka. Okay. It's Puka. <laughs> he had to get an award. It yeah. just it wasn't that one. <laughs> um yes. Biggest underdog story of the year has to be my boy Puka Nakua. Against all odds, Puka's tied for first in reception, third in receiving yards, averaging nearly, I think it's like 99.5 yards per game. Puka's a fifth-round rookie out of BYU. If he had been drafted to maybe any other team, he may not have seen the field. And if Cooper Cup didn't get hurt, we may not have seen this at all. So this is a perfect example of seizing an opportunity puka nakua is a true underdog story much like peter lafleur that's a great award thank you if i was the rams i would just never draft a receiver high <laughs> i mean their best receivers have been like late round guys they're not best have been i mean they traded for bob woods but he was a second round. I, no i wasn't tutu a second rounder too i think so i mean Tavon you, austin was the, like the seventh overall pick tutu is actually pretty good before cup came back so. Yeah, not for that high of a draft pick. Though. No, 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 no. But 
now they certainly don't need to draft a receiver this year. Yeah, I like that award. My third award of the night is the Daniel and Henrik Sedin Family Award. I wrote Family Foundation Award, but it has nothing to do with with, with philanthropy. That I don't even know if exi- that exists. Okay, these are brothers. So it's yes, twins. That that doesn't have to do with it. The fact that they're twins, though. Oh, just just that they're brothers. So no, this- also not brothers really. They are brothers and twins. What? No, Ruse giving me a weird look. I'm just confused. Okay. <laughs> I'm also confused. What does okay, this award have to do with them? This is going to players. So they are twins. They were picked second and third overall in the same draft and then immediately changed the future of that franchise for like a decade plus. They, they, one of their, I think the second overall pick was theirs and they traded up for the third pick. Is this Stroud and? Yeah. Oh, okay. What was what's his name? Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Yes. Who the hell's Mario Williams? He was the first overall pick in 06, I think. For the Texans? Yeah, okay. the end. I was, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I, could, I couldn't get his name out of my head. Huh. Mario Williams. What a throwback. Picked over Reggie Bush and Vince Young. Vince Young said if he knew the Texans wouldn't take him that year, he would have gone back to Texas. Oh. So for some more information, 1999 NHL draft, Daniel and Henrik Sedin are two of the top three prospects. They say that they don't, they only want to play together. So the Vancouver Canucks trade up, take both of them in last April's NFL draft. The Houston Texans took CJ Stroud second overall, then traded up and grabbed Will Anderson third. Both look like franchise cornerstones. CJ Stroud is probably I mean, he's definitely the most exciting young rookie quarterback in the league now. Will Anderson looks like exactly like we expected Will Anderson to look at this point, which is a future monster. And it was a risky move, giving up that much draft capital to, to move up and take anybody. But it seems like it's going to pay dividends for a long time for the Texans. Let's hold our horses on rookie quarterbacks. Will Levis looked pretty damn good yesterday. That's true. Yeah, touchdowns <laughs> per game. Nobody's close to Will Levis. Nope. Will Levis is on pace for one million touchdowns in his career. That's an exact number. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm actually going to alter my award title right in this moment. I'm giving out the Nega Shanahan Award. The Nega Shanahan Award? Yes. So is this a comeback king? No, it, I didn't know that stat until today. <laughs> so this is going to somebody that – no matter how good the quarterback that's playing for them, they just can't win. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite – it's not about the quarterback. It's more about the weapons around the quarterback. So this is somebody that just doesn't believe in stacking. Is this the Chiefs? No, 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 no. Oh. It's someone – I'll give you the reasoning and then you'll get it. Instead of catering their system to all of their best players' strengths, he instead – uses none of his best players. Oh, this has got to be going to billionaire Artie. Yes. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I was like, billion Ed Hardy? What did you just say to me? <laughs> no, billionaire Arthur Smith, head coach of the Atlanta Dirty Birds. Yes, Arthur Smith, the complete opposite of Kyle Shanahan. Instead of using his best players and putting them in positions to succeed, he, in fact, doesn't use them at all. The perfect example was epitomized in yesterday's game in the red zone instead of drawing up a play for any of their top 10 stud offensive weapons b 
Bijan, Pitts, or Drake London, Arthur Smith drew up a play where Kyle Pitts was blocking for Jonu Smith to throw a pass <laughs> to their third string tight end, Miko Pruitt. This is thinking outside the bun at its finest. This is thinking yourself out of a job to its finest. Collective draft position of Pitts, London, and Bijan, 20. Arthur Smith is a supervillain. I have frequently seen him described on Twitter as a terrorist. Like, if you type in Arthur Smith is, the top, like, ten tweets are a terrorist. Well, I'm just looking now because you said supervillain, but the ultimate supervillain in the NFL is actually his owner, Arthur Blank. Wow. It's the name. Some yeah. about Arthurs aren't meant to Dude, succeed. They've been stacking up on Arthurs. Yeah, they should they should do the opposite. Get Bra- rid of all Arthurs. Bray and I always joke because sometimes you'll see him on the sideline like this. We I've seen j- that. That's your fancy profile picture. Yeah, we always joke that like whenever you, when a coach turns around and Arthur Blank is behind him like that, he knows his, his days are numbered on the job. Well, I hope Arthur Blank appears on the sideline soon because Arthur Smith is a literal supervillain and he's public enemy number one for anyone who plays fantasy football. And beyond that, he's also a jerk. And is he's, he? Yeah, he is in the media. When, like, he's asked questions, like, totally head coaches are supposed to answer these questions, he answers like a total asshole. Oh, I didn't know that because I saw him on McAfee once and he invited the whole crew to his family's, like, weekend bar he, getaway thing. <laughs> he's, like, the total opposite. Like, he does the Belichick thing, but it he's not successful, so it's not endearing. It's not like, oh, Bill. It's like, oh, Arthur, you suck, and yeah. no one likes you. Guy who won one playoff game with the Titans as an OC. Yeah. it's <laughs> he. Someone asked him after – it was not – it was twice now. Someone asked him last week about, like, why Bijan didn't play, and he basically responded, like, I don't care about your fantasy teams, and was, uh, was like – why is this even important? Let's talk about something important. Let's talk about climate change. Oh, God. And it's just like, dude, you're the head coach of a football team. You have to answer football questions. And then he's asked about Desmond Ritter, and he's like, anyone who watches film knows Desmond Ritter's playing well. Yet Taylor Heineke goes in, and they actually look like a functional offense, and yet we'll still probably see Desmond Ritter starting. Yeah. I honestly, at this point, borderline hope he keeps starting him so he gets fired. <laughs> I don't like the guy at all. He was the one that I was going to give the Joffrey Baratheon award. Just a sick fuck who likes toying with his, <laughs> with people around him. I actually almost gave uh, the Todd Gurley award to Bijan for a running back that is insane and just, just not playing, and we, we have no idea why. Just totally underutilized. He has less carries than Algier on the air. Indefensible. I think Bijan's averaging five yards per carry, and Algier's like 3.1. I don't get it. It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. We've seen Bijan do some of, like, the craziest things already in his career where it's like, all right, this guy's a top five running back right now. Dude, I was ready to put him number one. Yeah. You saw that. You you, you were drinking that Calvin Ridley juice. You saw one cut, and you were ready to make (laughs) this guy put him over CMC. I had him on the Mount Rushmore of running backs between Peyton and Jim Brown. (laughs) A slow-motion video. (laughs) Um, that's a good one. My my fourth award is the Saved the NFL Award. Without this person, there's a good chance the league would have folded by now. Like, actually? Maybe. Currently playing? No, it's not a player. Goodell? 
No, it's not Goodell. Oh, thank God. Save the NFL. John Mara? No, not John Mara. Because he actually... Why, though? Or no, his dad, Wellington oh, Wellington, Mara. just, like, actually saved the NFL. Actually saved the NFL, yeah. No, this is something... This is a, a extremely this season kind of thing. Okay. Extremely this season kind of thing. It looks like producer Rue knows who this is. No? I have no idea who is it. This is going to Taylor Swift. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was Last year... Of the top 100 broadcasts in the U.S., only 82 were NFL games. Wow. Only. Yeah. Okay. And since Taylor Swift has been going to Chiefs games, she has totally made the NFL relevant. (laughs) (laughs) But while she may have tongue-in-cheek saved the NFL, she actually seems to have saved Travis Kelsey. Whenever she's at the games, he balls out, and whenever she's not, he's just a guy. It's like it's like 45-plus receiving yards a game more, right? Yeah, he had 56 yesterday, and he had like 120 every time she was at the games. It's actually kind of insane. Yeah, granted, Mahomes had the flu, so yeah, it's, dude. it's a little bit anomalous. But Nuts, the flu. I didn't know about this. Yeah. I think, yeah, I told you guys, like, right before game time, we were just like, ah, it's whatever. I didn't process it. I, I just thought it didn't it matter. Like flu. I just thought it didn't matter. Yeah, I guess <laughs> me too. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it happens. Guys yeah. just deal with the flu sometimes. But thank you to T-Swizzle for uh, keeping the league alive. I'm not sure it would have been would have kept running if she hadn't shown up. With, with the way offenses are looking this year, man, <laughs> <laughs> she's done it, man. Uh, We're going right. to need her after two straight weeks of – Jets primetime games coming up. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right. This is actually my favorite award. Okay. I saved it for last. It was about to be going to be first. All right. So this is the you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain award. Is this also going to Arthur Smith? <laughs> no, it is not. Arthur Smith is not a hero. Just a full-on supervillain. Oh, is this is this person currently in their hero era? The opposite. They're in their villain era. Okay. It's not so much the villain. He's still, like, he hasn't changed as a person. It's more the media's it's perception. Brock Purdy. It's, it's got to be Brock Purdy. It's Brock Purdy. <laughs> the media's darling, Mr. Irrelevant, everyone loves the guy. All of a sudden, people can't wait to watch him fail. He got too much exposure, flew too close to the sun, whatever you want to say. People now are really quick to want him to fail. I Googled him today just for research for this little segment. USA Today had a headline of, quote, Brock Purdy looks like a huge fraud. Then you click (laughs) it, and then the literal tagline of it is, Brock Purdy is showing his haters they were all absolutely right. And it's just like, Jesus, quick to dig the guy's grave. He had one really bad game where all the circumstances were against him. I mean, you don't usually make excuses for great quarterbacks, but again, he's young, he's still developing. I do give him a bit of a pass in a rainy game to have a down game. Next game, he played really well before his concussion. Then this game, he played pretty well. He had one really bad throw, and he lost a fumble that was bad and an interception that was tipped. And he threw for 375 yards and ran for, I think, 50 yards or something like that. People are acting like this guy's the worst quarterback in the NFL. And we already went into this a lot with his questions about his ceiling and all that. Like, that's fair. If he's a system quarterback, elite game manager kind of guy, totally fair. Those kind of knocks on him are warranted. Even what Shannon Sharp said about 
it being more credit to Shanahan than to Purdy, fine. If you want to do that, fine. But to bury this guy after not even that bad of a game and, like, a couple bumps in the road is dramatic. Very dramatic. I think it's probably a lot of people that were saying, let's hold our horses when he was undefeated that are now now feel vindicated even though they shouldn't be. Even though they've been proved wrong. Yeah, I get it. The people who I held off for a long time there, and then finally I just started drinking the Kool-Aid, and that's, and I'm still in on him. I still think he's good. It's, I just don't like. We said this a while back. If he had managed to pull out that game, I guess three weeks ago, it would have been wow. This kid can't lose. Guy just always finds a way to win. But since he lost, and now that he's lost a few games, it's everyone is so quick to bury him. I'm happy the buy is coming, just so the media circus like dies down a little bit. Because people just, like, the Niners are good. So everyone's going to be real quick to hate them. But, I don't know. I just don't like it. Um, my last award, this one's going to be pretty much impossible to guess. So I apologize for that. But it's the stat that right now is just truly insane award. Well, if it's impossible to guess, is it Shanahan's record went down in the fourth quarter no it's 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 a comparison stat between two quarterbacks just tell me <clears throat> touchdowns to intercept interceptions right now through the first eight games patrick mahomes 15 touchdowns eight interceptions Russell Wilson, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. He has so many passing touchdowns, Russ. I was looking at the list today. Two a game. That's like I know. I was. I'm actually was wondering like what his highest per game touchdown average was in in Seattle. Even I. He's been like, real. I mean, he threw for like 100 yards yesterday, so it really wasn't very good. But he hasn't been that bad. No, totally not. Like not worth the contract. No, but again, but. But I also saw today that there's an out in two years. So if he plays like this for two years and quarterbacks keep getting paid more, it might not look as bad if he's like the 12th paid, highest paid quarterback and he plays like the 18th best, you know? Yeah, the I The disparity is not as big. It's just how good of a team can you – are you able to build around him because of his massive salary now? That's That's a very good point. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I guess you're paying him to put you over the top. Yeah. So you're that paying him it. to be the Russell Wilson they thought he was going to be. Yeah. Which he's, he's been way better this year. Still hasn't been near that. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm going to look up quickly his Seattle. His Seattle. thrown for over two touchdowns four times per game. Uh, what, how many touchdowns? What's his highest? 40. 40? Uh, so, I mean, if he... I know there's an extra game now, but if he throws for two a game, then he's going to finish with 34. If he maintains this pace and throws 34 touchdowns and eight interceptions, that's like a, kind of a great year. Oh, totally, dude. <laughs> so it's like going to be the weirdest great year of all time, but statistically, it'll be a great year. Dude, he's fourth in passing touchdowns. I know. <laughs> he's nowhere near in like QBR or passer rating or even yards. But touchdowns, hey, it's a very important stat. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do Producer Rue's first award? Yes. I'm going to com- – I combined forces with Producer Rue here, and I 
am coming up with the name. I got a name. It's not a great name. You probably won't guess it, and I have to kind of hodgepodge a reason to pair the two together, but we'll see what we can do. So it's the 60% of the time it works every time award. This is So this is somebody that plays wearing Sex Panther cologne. You got the reference. Yes, you're right on it with the reference. <laughs> it's someone who the odds aren't in their favor to succeed given the track record of this position. But when shit goes right, it works every time. But when shit goes right, they're really good. Of this position. As a rookie. This positional group notoriously does not produce their rookie season. Is this tight ends? Rookie tight ends? Is this... This is... Uh, 87 on the Lions. I don't know numbers. Yeah, Lions. Laporta. Yeah, Sam Laporta. Laporta. Sam Laporta. Nice. Yeah. Can you explain the, the name, though? The connection? Rue gave me... A name for an award, or sorry, gave me a player for an award. I had a name for an award, and I just put them together. Okay. And I did my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> couldn't think of a name for it. So okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I did my best, but uh, it. I don't know if you don't. Th- it makes sense if you don't think about it. So uh, true. I'll stop thinking about it. Yeah, don't ever again. Laporte has been awesome though. I initially wanted to give this that title award to the tush push slash brotherly shove because it works every time for the Eagles, but only works 60% of the time for every other team. It's good stuff. Yeah. It would have made more sense, but I wanted to include producer who's player, so I kind of just shoved it aside. On the Bill Simmons pod? <laughs> <laughs> On the Bill Simmons podcast earlier this season, he was talking about how he's sick of rookies being compared to like all-time greats and use Gronk as an example. He's like, we shouldn't be comparing people to Gronk. And then like the next week he was like, this Laporta guy's got a lot of Gronk in him. <laughs> <laughs> next year, given the performances of rookie tight ends this year, which again is a total outlier, is going to be the best year for fantasy tight ends like in recent memory. There could be like 10 to 15 good ones. Throw Brock Bowers in there too, who's like another mm-hmm. Pitts kind of. Yeah. You got and Michael Mayer Kincaid's breaking out now. Uh, who's the Musgrave? Uh, Musgrave is he's. I th- if he had a better quarterback, I think he'd be really good. I think like the underlying metrics are really good for him. So yeah, I think the future is bright at the tight end position. Yeah, I agree. It, and it's a it's an enjoyable position. I mean, they got their own holiday. Yeah, they do, and they also are my most heavily used position group in Madden. Always throw to X because you have. Doesn't matter who I have. You know what I was thinking actually yesterday? You should do a league with Tyson Bajant. Oh, I don't know. They made it so hard to play with bad court. I'd have to play on like pro. Yeah, uh, or like arcade mode on all Madden. I might just have to start playing on pro. I don't know why I'm playing on these hard do, well, difficulties. You do, all, you do all pro as a step down from you're playing on all Madden. Yeah, but I'm not having any fun. No, Madden's, it's, I mean, the, the it's, we could do a, an episode on EA. We did. Yeah, we did much. do an episode. On EA. <laughs> we could do like a, uh, what do they call the true crime series? A limited series, or like a serial kind of thing. I guess serial okay. is like the. Isn't that the name that of the? It. Yeah, <clears throat> an anthology series. Yeah. Um, all right, so Ruse producer Ruse second award is the Chuck Liddell Late Career Award, and. 
Well, I, I'll, I'll. Do I have any chance of getting it? I would not have. He switched sports, right? No, never. I would give him the reasoning. Okay, give me the reasoning. It's going to a play-by-play announcer, a guy who was at one time at the top level of his profession, but has clearly lost it. I didn't know he went into broadcasting, so that's why I would not have guessed it. I was thinking late. I thought he did like WWE. Oh no, that's not Chuck that's Liddell. Like, uh, that's a lot of other guys. Like, are you thinking of Brock Lesnar? Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. All right. Uh, it's just play. yeah. It's it's play just a guy that a guy that was at the top and now doesn't have it anymore. Is the, it's a broadcaster? Yes. Who was once at the? Is it Al Michaels? Yes. Been it's washed. Al Michaels. Been washed. Been but washed a little bit. Super washed since he got to Amazon. Yeah. Confirmed. Now we know he's washed because last year it was like a whole new thing, new booth with Kirk. We didn't exactly like whole new pre-post halftime crew. But now like it's year two and it's it's hard to listen to. Another guy who just I actually still like Al Michaels just because I like his his personality. He's an institution. Yeah, but the last institution that really pissed me off was Bob Costas. When he was doing those the Yankee games in the playoffs, hated it. I wanted to kill that guy. It was, like, he was bad, horrendous, dude. And he's like renowned, Bob Costas. He's r- like right up there, horrific. <laughs> Have you ever seen the Pedro Strope Bob Costas thing? No, he was I a have Cubs not. reliever, and he was like. He had, he had a bad outing, and he was walking off the mound, and he did, like, a point-to-the-sky thing. And Bob Costas is like, he points to the sky. We can only hope he's begging for forgiveness <laughs> from his dead ancestors after this humiliating performance. Oh, my God. Did he really drop dead ancestors? I'm going to pull it up. Yeah. It'll take me, like, a second to find it. Um, but, yeah, he was really awful. Was Bob Costas also dubbed Pink Eye? Yeah, he was. Here, hold it closer to the mic. Strope is on his way out, pointing toward the heavens. We can only ask or wonder that he is asking some departed relative for forgiveness for this atrocious performance. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he just eviscerates him. I mean, inc- maybe the harshest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> a relief pitcher in like a regular season game. Yeah, that is incredibly harsh. I get what Roos saying though. Like you watch Al Michaels games and like there would be a big completion on third down and like Deshaun Jackson, he'd be like, "It's Jackson." Yeah. And but now it's like, "It's Jackson." Yeah. Al Michaels over the hill. Even if it's still Al Michaels but not Al Michaels. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Al Michaels light. Yeah. Uh, did you know that he's never eaten a vegetable? I only knew that because they were joking about it on, like, the the halftime show. Or, no, you know what? It was Fitzmagic on PMT. They were asking him about it. Guy's my idol, dude. <laughs> if you could make it to that age without eating he, a vegetable, He then... is my case study. He's, exa- <laughs> he's everything I needed to prove that I don't need to eat vegetables, dude. I will point to him forever as long as, as, long as he stands. <laughs> Hey, just, like, eat steak all the time. He's probably so sore all the time. Yeah, I can't imagine. That guy's probably eating, like, probably eating at the 50 best steakhouses in the country. Probably. He says he just has, like, steak and potatoes all. Like, he's literally a meat and potatoes kind of guy. He's probably doing, like, 18 steak dinners paid for by Amazon per season. Definitely. You mean in his broadcasting career? A million dollars worth of steak. (laughs) 
Hey, for those who didn't hear, Rue set the over-under at a million dollars for Al Michaels' stake, not expenditure, but just value of stake eaten Let's in say his broadcasting career. If if each stake cost $100, that's 10,000 stakes. Okay, okay. 10,000 stakes. Each stake is $100. How old is he? 60-year career? 50-year career? Let's say 50 because he 10, wasn't. 10,000, that's... That's 200 stakes a year. I got to take the under on it. 200 stakes a year is absurd. But, like, if it was, like, uh, 120. Actually, it's $200. Mm. Our, no, algorithm might, our algorithm might be slightly off here. Yeah, I think, I, I think my, my, uh, my program is Your Google calculator <laughs> <laughs> might, be, might be throwing us off right yeah, now. Yeah, I think it's the the inputs not what google's doing too i think i <laughs> trip myself some up. human error <laughs> pilot error i'm um, gonna take i think i'm gonna take the under two i do hope he gets there though i think he will if he keeps up at this pace he's got like a really big <laughs> amazon contract so i i don't think he's leaving anytime soon yeah i don't know um, all right so that that's our uh, mid-season awards show yeah that's the meat of today's program yes it is you want to go on to bold prediction of the year of the week? I do, yes. All right. You start it off. Okay. My bold prediction of the year of the week is that by the time we record the next episode, James Harden will not be on the 76ers. Oh, I like that. Thank you. I don't really know how long they could stretch this awkward situation now that it's going into the regular season and he's like semi on the team. He, like, showed up to the game. Yeah. Weird. But they didn't let him travel with the team, I think, to the away games. That's very strange. That's a good one. All right. So my bold prediction of the year of the week is that Jameis Winston will be a Viking by the trade deadline, which is what, tomorrow? tomorrow? Which is tomorrow. And he will play this Sunday against the Falcons and lead the Vikings to a victory. And okay. he will throw for 220 yards and two-plus <laughs> touchdowns. Okay, that's very specific. I like this. Yes. I hope it comes true. The last time we did one that specific with a stat line, it almost hit. It was very close. <clears throat> well, just missed with yards or – yeah. I think so. It was close, though. Yeah. Oh, My Puka one was right. That's true, But that yeah. was my alternate prediction. But 150 receiving was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I – do you have – do you have a passing touchdown number? I said two plus. Oh, gotcha. I just heard the passing yards. Yeah, two plus. <clears throat> I don't want to go h- higher than that. Feels ridiculous. It's a bold prediction. It's not ridiculous <laughs> prediction. <laughs> <laughs> My one last week was that Brandon Staley would get fired, but that was wrong. That didn't happen. Yeah, mine was that the Rams would win. So <laughs> didn't happen either. No. <laughs> Rue, you want to throw out a bold prediction? all right we got nothing for producer rue all right should i wrap this up yeah you want to tell the adoring people where to find us yes you can find us wherever you get your podcast plus all social media youtube instagram x.com tiktok facebook i feel like i'm missing a lot right now but it, Podbean. Pod. Yeah, I said Amazon wherever. You, I said wherever you get your podcasts. Oh. We're we're on all of them, so I don't need to list all of them. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, and we still have that giveaway. Episode thirty is coming up. After we'll announce the winner then. 
Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. That's the big way to enter and follow us on Instagram. And you'll have a chance to win a Jason Dominguez autograph mini helmet. Sweet. Good episode. Good episode. This has been episode 28 of the Breaks Down podcast. 528. Thank you. See you all next week. <laughs>